Hey listeners, this is Dwight, letting you know really quickly that the game we are discussing this week has a lot of themes of death, and we make a lot of lighthearted jokes about death, and about, you know, the wars and wanting to die and stuff like that. I will also mention that we have a pretty heavy, wholesome, wonderful conversation about death in real life and our experiences with it. Nothing too intense, but if these are areas that are a struggle for you, if any of this sounds unpalatable, please skip this one. But otherwise, enjoy! Hello and welcome to Hey We Fixed Your Game, a show where we take great games and completely reimagine them with our dumb ideas. I'm Dwight, and unlike all of these purgatory animals, I am always in the mood for a hug. I'm Caleb, and my Switch shorted out because I cried <laughs> cried too hard when I had to let go of Stanley. As you can tell, today we are talking about a beautiful, tragic, heartwarming game, Spiritfarer. Dear listener, if you're not familiar with Spiritfarer, uh, you're in for a treat, because Spiritfarer is a really special game. I don't know about you, Caleb, I'm like... 15% of the way through the um, journals in this game, I am like not an authority on this game, even though I've been playing it a lot this week. Yeah, yeah. I have played it 70% through. Like I, I got 40% knocked out just today because I was just on the on the purgatorial psychopompal grind. <laughs> it, it's perfect for where I'm at right now. It's like the perfect balance between heavy fields and maximum efficiency, time organization, Hardcore Dandori gameplay. Yes. Yeah. I'm, uh-huh. I want to do Dandori. I want to be able to do a Dandori battle against you, Dwight. <laughs> in Spirit Fair, who can usher a spirit to the Everdoor fastest? Um, by the way, listener, if you're not sure what an Everdoor is, here's what Spirit Fair is. Spirit Fair is a game that came out a couple of years ago. I don't know the exact year. Hypnospace Hypey here. Spirit Farer was released in the year of our Lord 2020 on August 18th. But it's by a great company called Thunder Lotus. And this is a sweet and cozy 2D side-scroller that shockingly is about helping spirits which find themselves in kind of this huge purgatorial ocean that you are sailing on. And you're picking them up and helping them fulfill their last wishes and like giving them a comfortable stay in purgatory before they kind of move on to whatever is next. So this game is really kind of a primarily a resource and social management game where you are sailing around in your big boat building new buildings on this big boat and then basically going to different islands on this ocean picking up resources processing those resources to turn them into like food or other goods that you can use to continue to upgrade your ship and to feed and care for your passengers as Caleb was alluding to It's not only a game that is well-written and has some really delightful characters in it, but I have really enjoyed the management side of this game. Like, the resources, the grinding has been really... It has scratched an itch in a big way for me. There are a bunch of layers to it, which I have really enjoyed, which is the first layer is planning your route around these different purgatory islands to pick up the resources you need. The second layer of it is like... The second layer of it is like making sure you're growing the things that are going to bring like maximal happiness to your passengers. Mm -hmm. So like you need carrots and onions to make this dish, uh, which is X person's favorite dish on your ship. And you want to feed that to to them as much as you can so that they love you more, which is how the real world works. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
does in my household. Yeah, and it worked. I think every household is, is similar. The third level is moving between the different areas of your ship where the things are. So you can kind of like when this thing is done growing, this thing needs watering. And when this dish is done cooking, this ore is just coming off of the the foundry. And then the fourth layer is where all of these like factories and houses and people are on your ship. So you can kind of arrange them in a way that's optimal to parkour between. If you like optimizing, it's a, it's a great game for that. Yeah, definitely. Also, I think I mentioned this, but all the spirits are anthropomorphic-ish animals, which are so cute. And man, I got to hand it to the art team on this game because I don't know if I've ever seen anybody do 2D side-scrolling animations with quite so much quantity and quality as this game. Yeah. The whole world is just like absolutely bursting. There are an awful lot of frames. (laughs) There's so many frames and I don't think they're rigged or anything. I think they're just hand-drawn, it seems like, because... Everything is so fluid and like the fabrics that characters are wearing and the way that they like shift and move. I got this really nice snake lady on my boat and just like the way that she kind of slithers around at all times. It's just crazy that they were able to pack so much detail into their animations in this game. It's kind of similar to Slay the Spire to me in the sense that like I don't particularly love the visuals of it. Mm. The HUD is pretty clunky. The UI is pretty clunky. The text is really small. Yes. The character models are pretty small. Like there are a bunch of little things that make this not like a smooth experience, but the heart that beats beneath this game is just so bright Mm -hmm. and full of love. All of the characters are so beautiful and the animation clearly had so much time and love put into it. Yeah. And everyone involved with this game clearly loved making it. I'm just like you I'm <laughs> levitating off the ground. Uh, My orifices are glowing with how much love is packed into this game. You just you just slid two obels into a fountain and you are levitating as this game teaches you how to How to love again. How to how to process grief and trauma. How to love again. You gained a new ability. It's it's feeling. <laughs> There's so much to unpack. For one thing you were talking about it's a 2D side scroller. Yeah. But it's also a game like where you are constructing different workshops. And I think it's really funny because my ship is absolutely kitted out like an insane person built it. And I think there's no <laughs> other way around it. But I just picked up a really cute grandma. And the only place I had to, to put her house is literally like seven stories up in ladders. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> well, sorry, grandma. I know you're a hedgehog uh, who's got like a little cottage whose arms are probably like an inch long. I'm like, how do you feel about ladders? I hope you love them because your entire life, you you spend the whole day going down the ladders. You enjoy the deck for two seconds and you got to spend the rest of the day going up. It is uh, it is definitely not accessible. Nothing about your ship. Like there's no accessibility ramp option for your ship, unfortunately. Uh, I do want to posit that this game, its tone is so sweet. Even though it is a game that is about entirely about death and about people who experience deep regrets and trauma and depression and about just helping them process that. And there's so much joy, but there's like characters will just like randomly unload on you. It's like, ha ha ha. I love it when you make me fried chicken. Also, my entire family died in a fire and I've never forgiven myself for it. Ha ha ha. See you later. Again, I don't think you could make this game any other way. But the emotional whiplash 
is really intense. And it works. I do think it, it works. It does work. It does. Yeah. It works actually quite well because you play the kind of stabilizing anchor in all of these characters' lives. They're all processing the fact that they're dying or already dead. Mm-hmm. And you are kind of running up and being like, hey, I'm going to hug you. And also, here's a dish you love. Here's food that mm-hmm. you love. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's great. Thank you. I'm dying still. Like, you're the one guiding them through that process, which, you know, in any other thematic circumstance, it might not work out so well. But since you are yeah. the psychopomp guiding them along, it works. The one thing I'll say is that when you play a game like Call of Duty, you basically just like you kill somebody and then whatever happens to a spirit after it dies happens. So you've only kind of killed them. But in this game, although it is done with love, I am in a way killing these characters harder than I've ever killed a character because it is, it is because of me that they have passed through the Everdor into what I assume is eternal nothingness, just lack of existence. It's unclear, yeah. Again, it's kind of grounded in reality. It's implied that all of these anthropomorphic animals were at one point human. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they're given new bodies in the purgatory, these like animalistic interpretations of who they were in life. And yeah, they're all like, what's through the big door? Hey, Uh Stella, what's through the big door? Your main character's name is Stella. And you're further than me. Yeah. So you might be able to fill in for me because I'm not sure, but it, it, I feel like so far it's implied that what's through the big door is just like kind of the eternal piece of not existing, basically. Have you gotten to any of the like in-between Everdoor cutscenes? I have. I've had one. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you, you know that death is personified and sh- like shows up. Yes. I have met death. This game is kind of the Mr. Rogers of games. Yeah. If you can, if you, if that makes any sense, because it's essentially showing you like running you through the gamut of human emotions that you could feel when someone's dying plus what dying can look like in so many ways Mm -hmm. like you're only so far into the game but you're exploring dementia unfaithfulness heartbreak Mm -hmm. yeah um just enfeeblement yeah like crime related death poverty you know all of these ways that people die and suffer are personified in this game in a very beautiful and loving and tender way. And that's hard. I think part of what makes this game work Mm -hmm. is that all of these are kind of like good people who had a hard life. You are basically giving them, as you said, like warm hugs, warm meals to help them find peace and like a, a listening ear. Well, when you get a little further, it's actually not all good people who have led hard lives. Sometimes it's bad people who have lived very easy lives. Oh. And then what do you do? Okay, well, well, this brings us into my first fix, which I guess might be a part of the game, which is I would really enjoy if this game had some people who were like certified shitheads that have not learned and will not learn any lessons and are just terrible to be around. Yeah, you get those. <laughs> I'm imagining some extremely rude, like white trash hillbilly type guy who just like steals things, ruins my boat. Have you met Astrid yet? Have you met the lion? No, I have not. No, okay, all right. Maybe you'll get to that point. I'm not. I don't know. 
kind of a non sequitur, but <laughs> there is a quest line related to that character that kind of leads you into the relationship with a kind of more complicated person. And again, like towards the 50, 60, 70% mark, you're dealing with people that are kind of difficult to be around. And mm. the characters on your boat will say that much. They'll be like, oh, I, I don't like being around this person. They're bullying me or mm. they, they're really rude and they make me uncomfortable. And you know, that's something that you have to handle as well. That's really interesting. I'm excited to hear that it takes that direction. Yeah, it does. Cause so far I really have just been delighted. Like the four characters I've had so far, Gwen, Summer, Atul, and Alice. Yeah, those are all like incredible people who are so fun to be around. <laughs> I know, especially a tool. I, what I would yeah. give in life to be a tool, to be a big, fun, uncomplicated union guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who just loves yeah. food and his kids. <laughs> I every time I see a tool on screen, I feel like my capacity for joy permanently increases. You you weave into your Dandori strategy one quick hug from a tool. It's actually optimal Dandori to hug a tool. Yeah, <laughs> right. The, well, the the goal of the game is to just hug a tool as often as possible. So my strategy is just to sleep as quickly as I can <laughs> so I can just recharge a tool's hug meter as quickly as possible because that's the only thing I... I don't make any progress. I don't check off quests. I don't collect resources. I don't even feed a tool. I just need his body. <laughs> to be around mine yeah cool man i think think you might have ocd or or some sort of high functioning autism yeah i think this might be some sort of hyperfixation situation or something yeah yeah look man i'm 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 just saying my atul percent speed run is sitting at a pretty like two minutes oh just like really the the true ending of this game and that's like the thing is like i want it to be the ending of this game because that's the thing this game does to you it's like oh what's that you're enjoying a tool well there's a big door that leads to nothing and you know where a tool is headed it's right through those pearly gates my friend and i'm not sure if i'm really emotionally prepared to deal with that right now no um i'm not gonna say anything in that regard, because I have I have had to say farewell to a tool, and it was not easy. I can imagine. So far, the character that has actually elicited real big man tears from me was Stanley, and I won't spoil anything about him or his quest line. But he was a character that was coded to make me cry. <laughs> like everything about his character, the art direction, the quest line, everything was geared to it was going to make me weep openly like a baby. They made him kind of like a guy who grew up in Russia and moved to the U.S. and was super into the movie The Lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. I killed myself. (laughs) (laughs) No! They killed Caleb and put him in the game. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Renamed him to Stanley. I'm actually an AI model of the character Stanley from Spirit Fairy. (laughs) Caleb has been just a robot, kind of a ghost in the shell one might say, this whole time. I don't exist when Dwight turns the microphones off. (laughs) Caleb is kind of a Siri that I made for myself to try and balance out my extremely uncomfortable mind when I can't get the thought of hugging a tool out of it. (laughs) I just needed another voice to be around me. I'm I'm sorry, Dwight. I'm not sure I understood that. Can you repeat that? (laughs) I've got another thing I, I would like to fix about this game if you would be so kind as to field my request. Well, first of all, this is a rough game to fix because 
it is kind of tender. So like I was running mm-hmm. up into that against my fixes where I was like, these are all, these all feel so crass in mm-hmm. contrast to the <laughs> the game we have. So <laughs> once yeah. you get beyond the fact that you're shepherding souls into the afterlife, let's let's goof on this game. <laughs> yeah, I hate to say it, but 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 that's the podcast. <laughs> it's gonna be great. <laughs> I don't love that this is kind of my brand in this podcast, but it's like, you know, I guess I'm the guy who plays the the tender game about people dying and it makes silly sex jokes about it. I don't know. Ooh, so no. What if your what if the spirits shit farted before they left the the <laughs> earth? I feel like you're describing the uh I think you should leave sketch in the haunted house where yeah. they're like what if these <laughs> ghosts Do any of these fuckers ever blast out of the wall and ask for lobster bisque? I really, I've said it before and I'll say it again right now, which is that this podcast is probably demonstrably less enjoyable to people who've never seen I Think You Should Leave. I'm not trying to give anyone the worst day at their job. I just want to know. Okay, well, this is a, a pretty wholesome fix that I'm Okay, good. Here. Let's start wholesome, and then we can move crass. This game has a lot of minigames. And sometimes we make jokes about minigames, or sometimes games have minigames that don't do it for me. But this game, I actually really dig the minigames. I would call them, like, micro-games, right? All the different foundry and, like, factory and workshop locations have a minigame associated with it. So there's, like, a fishing minigame. There's a... Like a loom mini game. There's a forge mm-hmm. mini game. There's a plank cutting mini game, which I am terrible at. Honestly, that is one of my serious fixes for the game. Is that some of the mini games are just kind of a drag, and they get really repetitive and tiresome. I have yet to run into a mini game that, at its core, I don't enjoy the interaction. And I think that's one of the things that I've actually liked about this game. Is like they did a good job of weaving the mini games into the gameplay in the gameplay space well enough that none of them feels like entirely devoid of value to my gameplay experience so far. You're not doing them all the time and you never need to do them for longer than like 30 seconds to a minute. Yeah. Anything that's longer than like 30 seconds, I start getting upset about. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something I did run into is like stuff like uh catching lightning. That mini game is mm-hmm. one that I just feel like drags on like 10 seconds too long. You're basically kind of like a God a little bit a goddess kind and that of, like yeah. nothing can hurt you or kill you so when there's a lightning storm you just run around and get struck by lightning like 70 times and collect the lightning in bottles and it's pretty badass i can't lie but kind of after you've been struck by by 20 bolts of lightning i feel like <laughs> it gets a little bit less cool to me they do give you resources that are useful and they are skippable later on so that's the good news I've unlocked the thing that makes them skippable. Like, I can go safe mode as I'm traveling around. Oh, nice. Which I, I do that sometimes if I don't feel like getting stuck in a lightning storm for, uh, like, a solid 45 minutes. This game really leans into the mini games. Did they lean far enough is my question. No. Never, I think, right? I think that this game should just be a constant stream of mini games. Kind of like WarioWare? Yeah, like a WarioWare RPG where everything you want to do in the game, literally everything you want to do in the game, is gated via a micro game. 
So like, you know, walking around, got to do some tippy tap micro game about timing your steps, quap style, so you don't eat shit. Yeah, it's like it's like Crypt of the Necro Dancer to move around the map. You have to like press A on beat if you want to step. Yeah. Uh, same with like climbing ladders. You've got you know kind of a Jusant style like some sort of ladder climbing interface where you're doing you complex go. combos in order to like climb efficiently. Um, oh, sleeping, you know, you got to fall asleep at the end of the day. There's dreaming, and you've got to play the dreaming mini game where like you've got to hide from your friends because you you're naked at school because everybody's had those dreams whenever you're interacting with a character it's like a leisure suit larry situation where you kind of have to weave your sperm in between <laughs> the, the hell? did you ever, did you never play leisure suit larry no i'm very confused <laughs> i didn't either but i know what it is because i because i actually i have heard of that game is that a game where you weave sperm yeah so like during wet dreams the success no the success of your like so the whole premise of leisure suit larry this is a total total we're totally diverging leisure suit larry is about having sex with women and Mm -hmm. uh, in order to do that you have to do this micro game where you essentially schmooze them by weaving a sperm around like a basically like a obstacle course kind of like flappy bird i guess (laughs) how did i not know this um, and how have we not referenced it in every episode? I don't know, man. Sounds like I'm kind of a real gamer and you're not. Yeah, I think so. If the definition of real gamer is has a, an intimate knowledge of the Leisure Suit Larry sperm minigame, then oh boy, do you have me beat. Uh, well, um, sorry, man. You can hand off the keys to the podcast to me now. <laughs> yeah, you've earned them. Oh, thanks, man. Um, so that's a fix. Mini games. I think I think we've we've suggested this fix for other games in the past. I was talking to my wife about this earlier, and I love my wife, but I was <laughs> lamenting that the game is hard to come up with goofs for. And she was like, "What if you did like a satire about games? Like, what if you suggested that you put microtransactions in it?" And I was just like shaking my head, like, "Oh, my love, we have done that <laughs> for every single game. We can't only do that one joke." <laughs> What if we did, listen, Dwight, what if we did a whole podcast that essentially satirizes the games industry? What if? That would be such a fun a fun idea. We should do that. <laughs> Let's, okay, all right. We'll call the, our next podcast, Hey, We Fixed Your Game, and we'll make it all about <laughs> satire about the games industry. What was the, hello, I have solved your game with Mike Gillis. We'll have to pitch it to Mike. Yeah, we have so many. We could do like a whole media corporation of these types of shows we've got like a whole brand (laughs) right but they're all just going to be telling the exact same microtransaction joke every single episode i think the meta is now what we're realizing is that the meta is micro podcasts (laughs) okay micro podcasts yeah so in order to listen to any podcast it's you have to do like a little microphone game to listen to the (laughs) podcast yeah you have to be playing a micro game as the podcast is going or else the funny voices stop <laughs> yeah, you liked listening to podcasts in the car. That's no longer possible. Car accidents go up like crazy, and suddenly you're talking, you're you're faring a spirit on your boat. And it's like, how'd you go out, man? He's like, I was trying to listen to Hey, We Fixed Your Game, and I had to do a fishing mini game, and apparently it was detrimental to my ability to basically steer a car at the most <laughs> fundamental level. Yeah, uh, micro podcasts is micro the new podcast. thing, and it killed everyone. That's how the world ended. <laughs>
<laughs> Not with a bang, but with a fishing mini game. Uh, a, a bit of a whimper. A rhythm game of sorts. A rhythm, a, a, a rhythmic whimper. Caleb, what you got? I think about this game very fondly, and I love this game, and uh, it's very tender and sweet. Let's ruin that by making it a pirate game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I want this to be a pirate game. I would like nothing more than for there to be competing spirit fairers, just like every once in a while, another spirit fair will pull up to your ship and be like, hey, you punk, I bet you I, bet you I can harvest more carrots than you in 20 minutes. <laughs> Dude, check out my leak technique. My cabbage technique, my cabbage fermentation. How quickly can you get from milk to cheese? Check out the flax flex. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think i think having like dandori pirate battles <laughs> were essentially like you're co-opting your spirits we're just trying to pass along peacefully uh-huh they're like crafting cannonballs to put into the cannons <laughs> that fire across to the other ship and they're like swinging across on hempen rope that you've crafted in the in the loom to like board other ships and and steal other spirits <laughs> i love that i like the idea that instead of it being like a we've kidnapped your spirit more like a poaching, like almost like a different workplace showing up and being like, hey, you seem pretty unhappy with your current spirit fair. I could make you pork chops every day, Atul. What do you say? <laughs> and he goes, oh, <laughs> oh, yay, 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 yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I literally think that it's like, who has better workplace management? And then that's the like piracy method for the oceans of purgatory. Like a weirdly wholesome pirate game where like you're pulling up on other spirit fairs who are doing a poor job of caring for their people and you're just like, yo, what's up? I could treat you better. Yeah. D- break up with your girlfriend and <laughs> come hang out with me. Just imagine how different this game would be and how motivated you would be to be better if like within the first two hours you have a couple of spirits on your ship and then a massive like houseboat mansion pulls up and goes... <laughs> Hey yo, what up? I've got <laughs> I've got Salt Bay over here cooking cooking up steaks. Why don't you come over with me, baby girl? And all your spirits go, We're so sorry. We never got to do the Salt Bay thing in real life, so we're gonna go over here to this boat. And then you just start from scratch with different spirits. Uh yeah. The only spirits that are saying yes to, to you are the ones who had problems with like self-punishment in real life and like <laughs> like buying too hard into other people's emotions and they just like are obviously only with you out of pity because they feel like they're not good enough to to have a life of luxury (laughs) yeah yeah i think this is a good game i think this is converting this game into a into an mmo Uh uh-huh like a factorio style mmo where essentially the entire purgatory ocean being filled with other players Mm-hmm. Who are in your same server? Who are all trying to essentially vie for the attention of these spirits, and it becomes like, how quickly can I get these spirits to the Everdoor before these other players come and poach them? And then, so like, the spirits become your currency in that case because you could call up on somebody yeah. who has a really nice hot tub, and you'd be like, "Yo, I'll give you Stanley if you give me the hot tub, dude." <laughs> I am never going to give up Stanley. I'm locking Stanley in my cellar. He's never... He is my most prized possession. Stanley is not allowed to leave. What kind of animal is Stanley? I'm not saying. Okay. It's a, it's a spoiler. Yeah, it's a spoiler. 
if you find out that Stanley is a is a blobfish, <laughs> then the whole game is ruined for you. No, no. Okay, I told you that Stanley was engineered to make me cry. I'll give you three guesses to as to what Stanley is. Oh, he's a mushroom, isn't he? Yeah, he's a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny to me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the the pieces all connected together. I love this. Okay, the other angle I would love for a piracy game is that yeah. there are some characters who are very self-effacing and you can tell that they much like you in the afterlife they put others needs first yeah and i would love to like pick up some like really kind person who never like cared for themselves in the real world and be like yo we're in the spirit world you don't have to be like that anymore do you want to just go fuck up some shit with me (laughs) and like let's just go be little rascals together yeah yeah you kind of you kind of take them on as your pirate crew (laughs) Yeah, to be kind of like, here's the healing you need, be selfish, and let's go mess with some folks and not care about the consequences. And they learn to like kind of, you know, care less and have more fun. That could be fun. Yeah, that that I think that's a great idea. Uh-huh. Like if if you kind of started as this no name character and then eventually started traveling like there was this big famous spirit fair that said well, fame, power, all of this could be yours. I left the famous treasure of the spirit fairs somewhere in the world and you have to go find it. I see you, like me, are struggling to come up with a parody of the title One Piece that (laughs) relates to spirit fair. What if, okay, what no, but what if, like, Purgatory World was split up into, like, these long strips of land and, like, you, in order to get between the islands, you had to have this, this, like, compass called the Log Pose and... and (laughs) I just like One Piece. Caleb, I'm not sure if people will get this reference since One Piece is such a new show. No. Like, (laughs) it just came out a couple months ago, Caleb. It hasn't been around very long. I know a lot of people watched it, but. Oh my God, I'm so pissed. uh, There's not even very much content in that show. I'm surprised you're into it. Man, Um, I'm angry now. Wow, you really pressed my buttons. I, I say this knowing it's been around for 26 years. It's been around for as long as I've been alive. I am right now baiting Caleb into sending me into purgatory in real life. <laughs> uh, all I'm saying is if you like spirit fairy, you got to read the manga. <laughs> I, another fix that I had was that um, a, a new management animal game came out recently. <laughs> yeah, I think I know. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Power. Power. <laughs> I think that you should be able to conscript your spirits for as long as they're on your ship into indentured servitude where they <laughs> I don't want to do the mini games anymore honestly I'm right. sick of I'm sick of chopping logs a tool you're doing it now <laughs> It's funny cuz if you keep a tool happy he will sometimes give you logs but it would be great if you kept a tool very sad he would have no choice but to give you the logs <laughs> There's a pathway, it's kind of like um, Undertale, where you can choose to do a, ge- a genocide run, <laughs> where, <laughs> where where your goal is to deliver them to the Everdor as unhappy as possible. <laughs> There's two ways where somebody wants to go to the Everdor. One is, like, I've made my peace, I no long, like, I'm resolved, and, like, I have reached oneness, I'm ready to move on. The other is, like, please, God, get me out of here. <laughs> Anything is better than this. I'll take the void of nothingness to this. <laughs> Yeah, given the choice between eternal enslavement on Caleb's pirate ship to just the sweet bliss of nothingness, oh boy, I gotta choose the sweet bliss. 
Boy, howdy, just send me packing. Please take me. <laughs> Whatever's on the other side of that door, be it hell or heaven, it's got to be better than purgatory. <laughs> uh, speaking of hell, very similarly, I think this would fit in very nicely with a fix that I had, which is like, what if instead of this is purgatory and you're trying to help people, this is hell and you're trying to you're trying to torture people, very bad people, and you're just <laughs> punishing them for the bad things they did in life. Did you have you ever read the play No Exit? I have not. By Sartre. Okay, so the 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 basic premise of No Exit is that there are these people who get stuck in a blank, empty place for a really long time. Not even that long, actually. They just get stuck there. They've died, and this is where they've ended up. And they realize that uh, hell is other people. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the big that's the big like pronouncement at the end of that show is hell is other people. <laughs> and so I think that there's a way that you play this game where you just rub everyone the wrong way and like you're you're using your passengers like Pokemon just to annoy the other people. So you put <laughs> you put a tools house right next to the hedgehog's house and he's oh, just yeah. like ah. you know she's nice and everything but you know her, her spines are a little sticky. Like like her, she's sticking me with her spines. Uh huh. Yeah. And and you just annoy the crap out of your passengers. You put them in the absolute worst arrangement on your houseboat to the point where they're just <laughs> they're just ready to kill each other. You give a tool. You upgrade his house with the loudest stereo, and you buy him every <laughs> yes. Def Leppard album. <laughs> yeah, you, you you're piping in K-pop into all of the people's <laughs> houses. Like one of the things you could buy is a massive speaker where you just play. Boom, 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 boom. I want you in my room. Just on repeat on your ship. <laughs> you buy a passenger like a whole cologne rack and you're like, really go crazy with that. And you put him next to the really like smell sensitive passenger. The bloodhound spirit who's just like, please. I'm having an allergic reaction. Stop. <laughs> this is a horrible idea. Light, light spoiler. Gwen, your first passenger. At one point, you're like, Gwen disappeared, and you have to go find where she is and, like, kind of solve where she escaped to. It would be funny if, like, sometimes you catch your spirits trying to jump ship and, like, <laughs> escape when you're, like, docked at an island and you've got to go, like, track them down and, like, drag them back to your boat. You, you just hear sploosh, and then you have to, like, like circle back to try and catch them again with a big net. You're like, ah, 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 get back here. <laughs> See, this game could become wholesome in a weird way. If we just made all of the spirits famously shitty people from the past. Yeah, like 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 this is the rehab. I just picked up Mussolini. <laughs> you know? This, the ship becomes rehab and you're trying to rehab all these people away from their horribly destructive lives and teach them meaning. This would be Undertale, because you could choose two paths. You could do the rehab path where you help Mussolini really make like make peace with whatever his tumultuous home life was or something like that or you can choose the genocide path where you're just like hey you were a bad person i'm gonna make your life very very difficult you would need to have a lot more like gray area passengers than in the game like all of your passengers would have to be gray area passengers where you bring out the worst of them and, and you're like oh, okay so that's why that's why you suck and uh -huh. this is why this is why i'm gonna punish you for it you become like this this arbiter where you have to weigh their heart against a feather and whether or not it's it's light enough determines what happens to them. Yeah, you you like pronounce whether they're worthy of rehab or eternal torture. <laughs> okay, Caleb, for this next fix, I have a bold uh, idea that I came up with. Uh-oh. I was thinking about this game and how hard it is to come up with goofs for it. 
Okay. Which isn't that hard. You know, we always make do. But there are certain games where I uh, I feel like it'd be much more fun to just kind of come up with something on the spot. Let, let the bits write themselves? Yeah, exactly. So I have devised a little mini game for you and me to play. Oh, boy. Neither of us know what's going to happen. What do I get afterwards? Is this like a micro game? Do, do, do I end up with a bunch of logs afterwards? We get listeners and word of mouth spread. So we better <laughs> make this one good. <laughs> Oh, God, please. (laughs) Yeah, I know. The stakes are high. One of the major issues with this game is it's too wholesome. And one of the things that can guarantee any game to be not wholesome is involving heavy capitalist interests in it. Okay, so this is the uh, this this is our satire of the games industry segment. Um, Not quite. I think in the same way that Burger King made a lot of video games that were advertisements. It's time for us to turn this video game into an advertisement for a megacorporation in a segment that I would like to call Megacorp Roulette. Okay, great. So, Caleb, I would like to ask you to get out a 10-sided dice and roll, roll that bad boy. And then, based on my table that I have constructed, I will tell you what megacorporation... We are going to reskin this game to kind of be in service of. Okay, all right. I'm gonna give the audience that that good good ASMR. Hold on, I need to get. Yeah, really get us up in there. Give us the the Dimension Twenty Box of Doom audio treatment. All right, here we go. Ready? Oh, that's gonna be a nine. A nine, Caleb. I have great news. Okay. We <laughs> this game. It exists solely to serve the interests of the military-industrial complex. Oh, no, Lockheed Martin. (laughs) Oh, no, there are going to be way, way too many spirits. Let's make this a little bit more abstracted from reality and say that (laughs) instead of spirits coming from the real world, these are spirits coming from some future Call of Duty game. We plugged Call of Duty into the front end of Spirit Fair, and now all of the corpses that you killed in uh, the Call of Duty campaign are now flooding into Spiritfarer as spirits. Yeah, in, in future modern warfare, when drones yeah. take over our killing for us and Lockheed uh-huh. Martin owns 90% of the United States. Uh, so we've got, from, from any number of foreign countries, folks who are coming in having just been um, slain by badass American commandos who could care less about human life, um, yeah, they've been ge- they've been genetically programmed not to care about human life. I guess this isn't a very pro military complex game that I'm pitching here because it would no, be to, it's not. to have empathy and to care about these people and their culture and the way that they feel and help them to find peace. Yeah, yeah, I think the 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 difficult and really truly traumatic part about this game would would be that you're beyond the veil. There's nothing you can do. These souls show up, and there's nothing that you can do to change that. Okay, so so you say there's nothing you can do. Oh, currently I, that is true. Hey, Spiritfarer Necromancy DLC. <laughs> you have the ability to raise these spirits from the grave as spectral assassins. They show up on your ship and they're just like, "Hey, I, I'm I'm really just bummed out that I died." And I go, "Where is your anger? Where is your rage? Rise again! Fight back against your oppressors!" You are collecting the resources 
needed in order to send this uh, enemy combatant back to the real world <laughs> as a, a deadly assassin to take down John Johnson, Mr. Call of Duty. So the bad news is that you've been slain by an AH-900 military-grade drone. <laughs> the good news is that I can teach you to hack those with the infinite time we have here on the spirit plane. So let's get right to work, shall we? Yeah, it would be fun if you were like at um, Albert Shipyard and you're looking at like the different upgrades you can get on your ship and one of them is just like yeah. a ritual chamber. <laughs> and then when you go to the ritual chamber it takes a lot of resources but you pick one of your passengers and then before you know it it's like a hyper realistic 3d gta style game and you see them <laughs> stick their hand out of the dirt in a graveyard and pull themselves up gasping for air and you've just returned them to life that's incredible i actually really love this idea where it's kind of like it's kind of like inscription style where there's just a total tone shift between act one and act two yeah you've prepared your spirits well for the pogrom that they will wage in the next life uh -huh. in act two when they rise again <laughs> yeah and then i guess it could be like an XCOM type thing where you have like a squad of these elite spirit agents and like the things you do in act one are like equipping them with different stats so it's like if i feed a tool enough pork chops it will raise his accuracy so he can be the sniper for my team in act two this is like this is starting to sound a bit like persona in reverse it's like reverse persona <laughs> reverse where persona. you're spending most of your time in the spirit world and then you go to the real world uh -huh. and all of your spirit world stuff pays off socially uh -huh. in the real world <laughs> this is kind of funny though like i could see an actual game being marketed with the premise of like you are a necromancer who operates from the other side of the grave and you are like live die live again <laughs> you're trying to take care of these spirits in purgatory so that you can like kit them out and then send them back to the real world maybe like an idol battler i think we've accidentally made a real game here Dwight. I, as we often do this does kind of sound like fun yeah. <laughs> i really do feel like this is exactly a game that would be pitched by ubisoft two years from now is some game where it's like it's the future military and the the boundary between life and death has been dissolved by science. You must fight the war on both sides. Like kind of like a modern necromancer where like you have to fight in the world of the living and the world of the dead and you're like a special transient soul that can switch between the two because of your government microchip. Fossil fuels have been discovered in the realm of Hades. <laughs> Recover them as assets for the United States government. <laughs> if Hey We Fixed Your Game became a games podcast slash army recruitment podcast. Nope. <laughs> that would be really funny. It would be really funny, but not the life I want to live. All, our only crime was rolling a nine on my ten, my ten numbers. Yeah, our only crime. Hey, if you want to get mad at this episode, blame it on luck. All right. Yeah. We, are, we are at the whims of fate here. Caleb, we're uh, we're you got anything else for us? What if instead of like 20 spirits in total, you were dealing with 20,000? Like, so instead of like a houseboat, you mm -hmm. had like an apartment complex boat, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's really fun. 150 people kind of filtering through your house, and you have to manage, oh, okay, um, like 20 of them are ready to pass on, so we need to make a swing by the Everdoor to make room for the other 20 that are waiting at these different islands. Yeah, you could like shoot them 
with a cannon through the Everdoor just to like get maximum efficiency. Uh, <laughs> like a drive-by, a drive-by shooting into the Everdoor, uh, just thum, thum, thum. <laughs> if the goal is efficiency, you could send spirits that weren't ready yet and take a penalty for it. Be like, Tec- yeah, yeah, that's good. Technically, the twenty people from Block C that you just sent were like ninety percent of the way there, so you will get a deduction to your score. That will cause some, like, karmic energy to send jellyfish back towards you. But, you know, it's all just part of the risk-reward gameplay. Yeah, no, I think this is another actual real game that would be fun. That would be really fun. I feel like it's the carnival cruise ship version of Spirit Fair, where you are just, like, managing a ton of people, and anything that you would do to take care of an individual has to be offered in bulk as a service. So, like, yeah. you'd be, like, hiring therapists on your ship to be little Stellas <laughs> for everybody. Yeah, it's like Prison Architect, right? Uh, Where you have to kind of build out a facility for that can accommodate 10,000 people. Uh-huh. And you have to have, you know, oh, these are the maintenance people who fix all of the leaky plumbing. And these are the chefs who make all the meals for all the people. Yeah. And then there could be, like, a kind of, like, unique purgatorial issues. Like, oh, man, a purgatory disease is going around. <laughs> They're going to double die. <laughs> These guys are going to die harder than before. They, that would be funny. They just re- like respawn back on an island someplace. They're going to die hard too. <laughs> There's a purgatory STD going around. Watch out. <laughs> There's no functional difference at this point between the real world and purgatory. <laughs> yeah, this is just a carnival it's... cruise ship. Like, for real. Yeah, it's just real world too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All the way down to the cannons that they shoot you out of. I think that this has become an unintentional mirroring of just the the real death industry. <laughs> what is the real death industry? Well, death death has become an industry. I don't know if you've heard much about the fact that like dying is actually really expensive. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm familiar that like one of the reasons why people have such expensive such extravagant life insurance policies is because it costs like a butt ton of money to handle all of the, the bad business that happens after a death. Right. But it used to be that your community would do it for you, right? Like it used to be that when you died, mm. your community would take upon them those responsibilities of burying you and taking care of you. But now since no one wants to look at or deal with death anymore, mm. like that's not a reality that people want to confront we've turned it into this kind of conveyor belt industry where it's right. You're processing 50 mm-hmm. corpses who you don't know in a day. Right. And you're just getting them in and out as fast as possible. And you're charging people tens of thousands of dollars for it. That is really grim when you put it that way. Not that there's any other way to put it. No, it's, it's horribly grim. And like this game gives you the peace of mind of hoping that maybe there's someone after death that will meet you and kind of guide you through the process, but mm-hmm. we don't get that kind of guarantee in life. Yeah. And odds are when you die, it's a huge, massive inconvenience to your family and friends, you know? Yeah, and I feel like, you know what? Maybe that's, we made some goofs, but really this game is a sweet game. And maybe that's a good note for us to kind of go out on here is like, I feel like that's a part of what makes this game such a compelling fiction. There's such a feeling of injustice to most deaths. Rarely do mm-hmm. people, does it feel like somebody died in a clean way when they were ready for it, having lived a full life and kind of like emotionally prepared 
with like a community around them that was kind of like prepared for it as well. You know, jokes aside, that's one of the things that just is really engaging about this game is that you are playing as somebody who can kind of make death okay. Because these are people who died without everything sorted out for the most part. Maybe I don't have to have everything figured out in life because maybe there's a Stella who will like help me sort through it all. It's very melodramatic, but I also think it is a part of what is so engaging about this game. No, it's it's totally true. The reason I say that this is the video game equivalent of Mr. Rogers is that Mr. Rogers knew that we can't run away from death. Like kids have big questions and adults have big questions about death. And this game kind of faces those questions head on and says, what if it was fine? Mm. It's not something to be scared of and you can do it together with friends yeah. and family. You know, what if? Yeah. And in that way, I think this is a really touching game that you owe it to yourself to play if especially if you have feelings of grief about death or if you're scared of death or if if this is just something that you don't know much about or don't have very many feelings about like go into this game with an open heart like i have not really had tragic deaths that i have witnessed in my life to be fully real the people who i've been close to are alive pretty much across the board Mm. that's not always going to be the case for me it happens to everybody eventually and like sooner or later that's going to happen to me is that somebody who i'm close to is going to die and leave a space in my life so i legitimately thought about this game and i really wanted to play this game because i'd heard great things about it and i knew i was going to love it but i was like maybe i should save this game until somebody i love dies because i think it will help me feel better and now i'm just like well maybe i'll just replay it in that case (laughs) Well, I the first time I picked this game up, like I, I connected with it on an emotional level, obviously, because it's just such a heartstring pulling game. But in between when I played this the first time and now, my grandpa passed away hmm. a couple years ago. Coming back to this game brought back a lot of emotions. Hmm. I hadn't even realized that I had kind of suppressed them. And, you know, as I was talking to these people who were very aware of the fact that they were dead and dying it's kind of a memento mori kind of thing right remember death call the people that mean a lot to you Mm -hmm. don't let them leave life with any regrets and you know don't be the kind of person who regrets that they left without saying something you know yeah it's a great game for that like it is it, it serves as a living and interactable piece interactive piece of memento mori art yeah i i will connect this back to what I said earlier about how I would love to be a tool in real life. And to me, <laughs> what that looks like is a tool. I, I haven't gotten through his arc yet, but he, he reads to me as somebody who really wears his emotions on his sleeve and is an uncomplicated, loving, big, kind-hearted person. And mm. I think I want to be a person who y- you don't have to wonder if Dwight <laughs> likes you. <laughs> you don't have yeah. to wonder if, if things were good. I would love if I could live in a way that every day I am ending conversations and ending interactions in a way that, that communicates to people how important they are. I'm not always good at yeah. that, but that is an inspiring thing that this game can leave me with. Is like, hey, all these folks are going to die someday. What steps do I need to take in order to make sure that when anybody who's important to me passes on, that there's not that lingering feeling? Yeah, I have this, I have this poster not a poster. It's just honestly a piece of paper that I found in an, in an estate sale, just kind of tucked away in a random corner that I hang up still. And it's, it's a very 
common i don't know if it's religious or what i'm not sure what what it's from but it's a really simple kind of reminder that just reads i shall pass through this world but once if there be any kindness i can show or any good that i can do let me do it now for i shall not pass this way again Mm. if there was like a subtitle for this game like spirit fairer colon i think this is it right Mm -hmm. that is so beautiful i think that's like a great place to to wrap up our conversation because that so culminates, I think, what we find special about this game. There are not that many games out there that can provide this degree of life lesson, you know? So hmm. I think you owe it to yourself to play it because it is more meaningful than just interactive entertainment. Caleb, can I just say, I freaking love video games. And yeah, man. I love video games, and I love you, Dwight. <laughs> I love you too. I love Caleb. doing this with you. I love I love hanging out with you, and I love making this podcast, and I love playing games with you. It's the best, and it's I wouldn't best. want my life to be going down any other path. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. You know, when I tell like older folks that my current career path is that I make educational video games, and they're like, "Oh, do you make the ones where you shoot zombies?" Because maybe I forgot to mention <laughs> that they're educational, uh, which happens sometimes. I wish I could communicate to them that this is the type of thing, like this is an art form where people are saying things that are important in a way that literally you could not say in any other art form. And this is what makes games special. This ended up being a really um, wholesome episode. What else, Caleb? What else? I have two things actually, because as we've just been discussing this game, I, I realized that I had another recommendation If you like this game and if you appreciate this kind of content that asks big questions about death and dying, I highly recommend Neil Gaiman's graphic novel series about death called uh, Death, The High Cost of Living. And it is a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. And the same as, you know, all the other graphic novels by Neil Gaiman are just brilliant. But this one in particular, if you like Spiritfarer and you like this kind of content highly recommend can't recommend it enough actually brilliant beautiful graphic novel that that tackles a lot of the same feelings incredible that does sound really great and you make it sound quite tempting the other suggestion that i have the other what else that i have to pitch is i have been commuting to work lately which is new for me in a car which is new to me and i don't like it I don't like driving. Driving sucks. And so what I have been using to kind of distract myself from the fact that I am behind the wheel of a car in traffic every morning and every evening is I've been listening to a podcast called Worlds Beyond Number. It's uh, Brendan Lee Mulligan, Abria Iyengar, Erica Ishii, and Lou Wilson. And they have maybe the best actual play D&D podcast out there right now. I have listened to a couple and I hate all of them. This one I love. <laughs> And I don't love podcasts, by and large. I have bounced <laughs> off of most of the podcasts that, that Dwight has suggested to me. But this have one we ever discussed this on the pod? The fact that, like, for making a podcast, you you dislike podcasts in general pretty strongly. I think we might have. I'm just extremely picky when it comes to podcasts. Yeah. I usually will listen to them and just get angry and turn them off. So, like... <laughs> Yeah, Dwight suggested NADPOD, and I just got so angry at NADPOD that I had to turn it off. <laughs> That's so wild to me. I literally went and saw NADPOD live because I'm such a big fan. But to each their own. No, listen to Worlds Beyond Number. It is excellent. The world building and storytelling is great. It's the best DMing you'll ever hear. It's the best player interaction you'll ever hear. 
it is kind of my new gold standard for what D&D can be like when it's played at its best. So I highly recommend if you like D&D, if you like tabletop role-playing games, listen to the 20 episodes of Worlds Beyond Number. It's brilliant. Yeah, I've had that on my backlog for so long. So you're inspiring me to check it out because I am a huge Brennan Lee Mulligan fan. Here are my what else's. I will really quickly plug the manga Haikyuu and the anime. Oh, you've been, okay, so you figured out how to read it. I did figure out how to read. Um, I had never read a manga, <laughs> but I ran out of Haikyuu, the TV show, to watch, and I could yeah. not stop. So I found the manga online. <laughs> and, oh boy, it is so insanely, unreasonably good and fun. And it's if yeah. you're not familiar, this is a, a manga and anime just about a bunch of high schoolers playing volleyball. It is a blast. I could care less about volleyball in real life, but I am so invested. Um, so I don't have anything more to say about that. It's just a really fun time. Has Amanda been reading it as well? Yes. We we have both been tag teaming it. That's awesome. Highly enjoying it. My other what else, my video game that I would like to recommend is a little game called Against the Storm. Oh, yeah. This one comes out of left field for me because I'm not usually into city builders. But this one is a very special city builder that came out at the end of last year. That is not just a city builder, but it's a roguelike city builder. What? Nuh-uh. Which I'm, I'm sure it's not the first and definitely not the last, but it does seem like it really turned heads for being the first one to really recognize the potential of that space and what could be done by combining these formats together. So basically all the cities that you're building in this game, it's kind of like a real time like worker management and you're like, you're mostly just trying to set up pipelines for uh, your supply chains. Like, that's the majority of the game. This looks like the best parts of Age of Empires and World of Warcraft. Yep. Like, the originals put together. I really do think that's kind of the boilerplate of it, because it takes the most fun parts of a city builder, and that's all it is. You don't have to get into any, like, boring lulls. It is just, like, you build a city for an hour, and you meet your victory criteria, and then you're done. And it's just that, over and over again. You are just... Holy shit. Sorry, I'm, I'm looking at the Steam page right now, and i got to turn that shit off. <laughs> That's so funny. All I can say is that I've not played it too much, but I've been really enjoying it. I love that there's no combat. I love that you can pause it and think everything through. I love that it's not multiplayer, because I would just get crushed in Age of Empires, because I couldn't stop and think. And also, the quality of life is really good in this game. So if you are interested in city builders, but you get intimidated by games that are going to take 30 hours then check this one out because like you can do it in little bites. It's honestly really fun. I'm loving it. Yeah, I think I'm going to get this game. It just looks too good. I quite enjoy RTS games. I'm terrible at them, but I do enjoy them. Uh, this looks too much like the OG World of Warcraft <laughs> for me to pass this up. Yeah, they definitely do have the old school Blizzard graphics hardcore going on, but they do a good job. Yeah, with it's it. like the cell shaded League of Legends yeah. textures. So I would love to take this opportunity to plug my game, Hello Again. You can find it on Steam. You can play a demo. You can wishlist it. Please wishlist it. Uh, I'm begging you, please. Caleb, in two weeks, we're going to be right back here talking about another game that we have had a lot of internal debates about how to pronounce it. No, we haven't. There's a decision that we've made about it. <laughs> what, what is the decision? It's Balatro. Balatro. The poker deck building roguelike that I'm pretty sure will make me a shell of a human as it takes over the entirety of my brain for the next two weeks. Yeah, I played a couple runs after finishing my Spirit Fair session today, and 
It's gonna be bad. <laughs> it's gonna be bad, Dwight. <laughs> this is gonna be this is gonna be detrimental. It's gonna be bad. I'm I'll be shocked if we actually can pull ourselves away long enough to um do a podcast recording. I'm so psyched yeah. for this game. Ball Trip just came out. Pick it up. Play along with us. Uh man, I am just psyched out of my mind for this one. I feel like it should be a phone game. Should be a phone game. It probably will be a phone game eventually. But I have on my Switch. My Switch is just a phone. Switch is big phone. <laughs> to, to close this podcast episode, we have two things to say. One is that time is short. Take every opportunity you can to love those who are around you. And the second is Switch is big phone. Switch is big phone. Um, uh, hello? <laughs> hello, Miyamoto-san. We will catch you all in two weeks. Thanks for listening. I live, I die, I live again. Bye-bye. Where is your rage? <laughs> Hey, We Fixed Your Game was created and produced by Dwight Davis and Caleb Connor. The music you're hearing right now is the song Austin by Zachary Wilson off of the album Chip Off the Old Block. You can find more of Zachary's music on streaming platforms of your choice, or you can find Zachary's website linked in our show notes. Thank you for listening. Thank you.